<laughs> Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. It's the Social Club. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. It's our social club show and as ever I'm joined by the brilliant Dan DeLuca. How are you sir? Yeah, just counting my winnings to be fair. Good evening's work. Winnings. How are you counting all? All, right? all good mate, all good. And uh, also big welcome to the uh, brilliant Simon Alavi. Did you just go and gel your hair between <laughs> us having a little bit of a chat off air and now? No, I just put some water in it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair <laughs> no. How you doing, mate? I'll get moaned at if I uh, gel it this late because then it goes on the pillow. Uh, so uh, it's not worth it, is it? Are you not like me? Do you, do you hate sleeping with gel in your hair? I find it so irritating. I hate being moaned at that I've slept with gel in my hair and that the pillow's all dirty and I don't know how to use the washing machine. You know, it's a long story, but I know. Uh, yeah. Do, does it go all white and crumbly? Is that yeah, what yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. I need their Manscaped product, like a cloth for the hair, just to... Not a bad shout. Probably a good time to tell you that this podcast is sponsored <laughs> by Manscaped.com. So if your forbidden forest is in need of some uh, tender loving care, head over to Manscaped.com. Enter our promo code, which is 90min20. That's 90min20 for those of you listening on the audio. And you will get 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. So please check it out. We thank Manscaped for their support of the podcast. On tonight's show, we're going to be talking a little bit about Arsenal's big cup final. Uh, that's what Mikel Arteta has described tomorrow's game as, a final. We're going to be touching on that. We're going to be discussing some of the Champions League results as well. We're going to be reflecting on our predictions and seeing how you guys did against us uh, last week. And of course... Um, We're going to be picking one of you in the live chat, uh, one of our members from the live chat, to pick up the mantle this week. Uh, So, Jashar, I can see you're in the chat, mate, and I know you gave the uh, predictions last week. So hold tight, and we're going to reveal all in a little bit. Uh, We're also going to be touching on the relegation battle a little bit. Might have a little bit of a gush over Leeds United, because I've been uh, really impressed with them this season. Dan rolls his eyes already. Uh, But yeah, looking forward to getting into it. Let's kick off with uh, with Arsenal. Of course, it's a huge, huge game for Mikel Arteta's side. We brought you uh, a more in-depth preview earlier on. I was joined by Jess Black, so head over uh, on the channel and check that out. And it's also available, of course, in podcast format. And I'll also be bringing you my starting 11 and prediction on tomorrow's early show. That's Thursday's early show. We'll also be bringing you a live watch-along of the game, uh, as well as the review show after. So loads of content coming your way tomorrow. Huge, huge game, as I've said, means everything to Arsenal now. And the question I want to put to you guys as as non-Arsenal fans, and I I always say this, but I think it's important sometimes to get that perspective as well, is let's say in the worst possible scenario, Dan, Arsenal get knocked out of the Europa League tomorrow. You're Mikel Arteta and you need to go 
and sit in front of Edu, the Cronkies, whoever it may be, Vinay Venkatesham, and persuade them that what you have done this season is worthy of them backing you big time in the summer and allowing you to stay in the job. You're Mikel Arteta. What are the things that you would point to and say, this is my evidence as to why we are moving in the right direction? And you can say nothing. You can say there is none. But where do you, if you were Mikel Arteta, what would you be looking at and, and highlighting as evidence of the progress? Yeah, I, I suppose it's a tough question. I guess there's always a benefit to some kind of long, longevity. It's just how hard you have to look to find it. I think, um, let's take that one one at a time there. I think if Arsenal were to go out tomorrow, I think it'd be a really, really poor result, just given, I think it's a glamour tie on paper, but in reality, Arsenal are not the team they were 10 years ago, and Benfica are really struggling. I mean, they've, They've been beaten once, nearly twice, by Rangers this season. And they've got fans protesting at their training ground this week at how poor they've been. So it's it's an opportunity where when the draw come out, you're wincing and you think, well, this is a hard draw. That even watching what Arsenal did to them last week, even in a neutral venue, granted, but away from home, Arsenal are the better side. Um, so I'm expecting Arsenal to, to get this job done. And again, I know there's different stadiums at play and all that sort of stuff, but... You, I, you're expecting to go through, I think. So it'd be disappointing. So if I'm Arteta now, um, and I've got to sit in front of the board, I think what's happened with Arteta, for whatever reason, whether there's other managers going through rough patches, and there are, obviously, Mourinho, Lampard. Um, Even Jurgen Klopp. Klopp, yeah. Um, there's other teams who had slightly higher expectations going into the season who are struggling, like, like Liverpool. I think it's almost slightly gone under the radar now, quite how poor a season Arteta's having. So I think he's getting away with a bit in that respect. I think the pressure's got off him a little bit and people are looking elsewhere for their column inches. But if I was Arteta, I'd be saying this. Um, he knows the club haven't got an awful lot of money. So he can go in there and pitch as to how he'd spend the money they've got. And what Arteta can offer, I think, he can demonstrate three things, which if you combine those three things together, you get you get a decent side and, and a fair crack of um, a continuous improvement. <clears throat> he's convinced Aubameyang to stay who's a big, big top player with other European clubs looking at him. So so he's demonstrated that. Forget that Aubameyang has had the best season. He's been able to convince a senior player to stay at the club. So that's a positive. I'd, I'd be saying that if I was Mikel Arteta. Um, I'd also be demonstrating some of the youngsters that have improved under his watch. Now, I've always rated Saka, but Saka's been given minutes and he's now an established first-team player in a consistent position. So he's done that. Um, you've seen Emil Smith-Rowe break. Um, break into the side, <clears throat> he can point to the fact that he has relatively quietly got rid of some deadwood. There's not been that much noise around it. Um, if you look at other clubs who have frozen out big players, there's a lot of noise. Um, Arteta's managed to do that relatively quietly, so I'd, I'd be I'd be looking at that as a positive. And then finally, I think he, he, he could sit there and say, actually, the players I have bought have been good signings. They have added something. And I think if you add those three things together and get the balance right, I think there's a case for him getting a bit of backing in the summer. Thomas Partey is a good addition to the squad. Um, some of the players who who come in last season, albeit he didn't he didn't sign them necessarily, but he he's been able to get good minutes out of them. Sabayos has, has improved in the last six months compared to the twelve months before. Um, Martinelli's been given some game time as well. So I think if you add those things up, 
and get the balance of that right, he can make a case to justify being 10th this season or 9th or 7th, wherever they may end up. Cool. Um, before I come over to you, Alavi, uh, let's say a big hello to everybody in the live chat. I hope you're all well. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you hit the like button nice and early so you don't forget. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. And Moss52, one of our new viewers, says, I'm new here. What teams do Simon and Dan support? Dan supports that lot down the road. We're not even going to name them. And Alavi is a neutral Man United fan. Go on, over to you, man. <laughs> I was going to say Barnet, but uh, they're going to get relegated again. So <laughs> I'll just pick Atletico Madrid. Uh, um, oh, I mean, before Dan joined the other week, I sort of gave the Arteta praise. So I won't, um, I won't repeat any of that. What, what I would say about tomorrow is that it plays into Arsenal's hands in the sense that the result means Benfica have to go at Arsenal. And... That's not how they play. And I think that will help Arsenal a lot. I think I think if Arteta does something like, I don't know, rush party, Tom's party back from injury or makes another mistake that almost highlights his, I guess, his lack of experience as a, as a top manager or a manager at that level, then he's going to have a harder case to present to, to the board. Um, I think he can go to the board, going back to your question, Harry, I think he can go to the board and present that he's... You know, managed to um, implement a style of play in the last month or two. I think he's got away with the City one. I think he bottled it, but I think he's got away with it because he could almost just write it off A as Manchester City and B that he's rested what three, four players maybe made just five to make changes. Sure. Okay, but he rests. Yeah, you'd look at that side and think that there were three or four that really would normally start right. So none of that is justified if he goes and loses tomorrow that's the big issue and I know people on this channel like to give Jose Mourinho a stick but one thing he did do really well a few seasons ago was he very early noticed when Man United needed to prioritise the Europa League and you saw that in his team selections but he was justified because he won it and I think you know Arsenal Benfica aren't what they're cracked up to be but if I was um, if I was Arteta and I managed to win the Europa League and finish 7th or 8th, I would see that as a successful season. I would look to them and ask for money to replace Bellerin because he's going, whether that's someone like Lamptey from Brighton, someone like, uh, who's the Inter Milan? Uh, Hakimi, who's it? How much would he cost from um, Inter Milan, like 40-odd million? It's a hard um, one with Hakimi Max because Aarons, they only just signed maybe. him. You know, they yeah, only just but he's, know, got, he's got a forty million release course. I think he'll go for forty million. Um, I don't know if he's got a release course, has he? As in, they've uh, sorry, that's the wrong say. They've said they'd probably let him go for around forty million. Is the rumor? Um, not the not the Suarez plus one, um, but they've said they've let him go for forty. Um, if you've got other guys and Sabal's going back on off loan, then. I'd probably want, I'd present to them uh, maybe the Ivorian Coast player. I'd never, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, Kasuni. I'd probably present that to him but, as an option. That's 10 million. So I would present these as as options. I would present a target man because I look at Giroud yesterday, I look at how well Lukaku's doing. Um, and I would have to present these to the board as you need to give me this 
this this backing because I'm losing X amount of but players. But I'm the board. I'm the board. Yeah. Man. And you're you're coming to me and you're telling me I need a target man. I need a, another right back, etc., etc. Yeah. What can you point to from what's happened this season? to persuade me that I should be giving you those things. That that that's listen, I'm I I back Mikel Arteta, right? I've had a lot of stick over the last few weeks for backing Mikel Arteta. And and I I think there has been some progress, right? I admit that you sometimes have to look a little bit deeper to find it and sometimes you have to dig to to get to those points whereby you can say he's he's done a decent job, but if you're him, Alavi, what are you pointing to and saying well, I've done this. I've done that. I would point. I would point to the fact that I've signed nine players, extended five contracts, and out of that fourteen, eleven have actually probably been quite good. I'd then point to the last two months and and say there's a start of player merging, and I point to the end of the season and say, look, I finished eighth and got us into the Champions League via the Europa. If he can do those things, two of which what? he's already done, but what the, the original thing fine. was if. If we go out of the Europa League, what what, what does he that, do then? See, that's the problem because he then doesn't get the transfer money, does he? He doesn't get the you know you're out of Europe. But the key is to him. It all hinges on on the Europa. But I think those people like Edu, they must know enough to be able to scratch between the surface and see that what he's done in the last month or two is progress. And I think I saw five, ten minutes of your show earlier and, and I forgot the lady's name, but um, she made a great point. She was like, why does he need three years? Why does he get three years and another manager doesn't get three years just because he's young and inexperienced? <clears throat> and that's a great point. So he's really going to have to go and show how, where he's lost in the last, I don't know, two, three months has probably been unavoidable in a lot of, um, in a lot of cases. He's learned from the mistakes. He's learned... Um, how to deal with personal situations he's learned to deal with the media i think um i think um the problem where fans lose patience is when managers or other fans with different points of view kind of present progress but you can't really see it or it's progress against what you know is being ninth progress because two months ago you were 14th you know that's that's not really progress. That's just, you know, recovering a position that was completely untenable to begin with. But he'll say, look what I've done with Saka, look what I've done with Smith Rowe, look what I've done with... Yeah, so you know, there's a few points there that I picked out at the beginning and there are some positives you can, you can find. I think um, with, with Arteta, I think, you know, it's not it's not for Arsenal fans to have to be patient because he's young, is it? You know, if, if, yeah. if you're an Arsenal fan, you have to decide yourself how how much time you want to invest in, in this in this rookie to learn his trade and is it moving fast enough? I think when the dust is settled at the end of the season, Arsenal are going to look back at this season and if they're honest, they'll say it's been poor if they don't get to, you know, if they get, you want to get knocked out of the Europa League by a good side and then you can probably take it on the chin. You know, if, if an AC Milan turn up and play well, even though it would hurt maybe a Manchester United or Roma in the competition, if you go out to a team you should beat, that, that's going to hurt a little bit. But there are some positives there. Okay, flicking it back on you, Harry, can he point to this as just a, this is an exceptional season with extenuated circumstances, all but Pep Guardiola seems to have suffered from them. You can see progress in the odd area. Surely it can be a right of season for about 12, 13 clubs in the league. 
Yeah, and I see it like that. I do see it as a very difficult season. I do see it as a season that's presented many challenges, not just on the field, but off of it. Um, I do see it as a season in which transition um, was inevitable and as such a loss of form and an inconsistency was was always going to come as a consequence of that. So I see it like that. But my worry is that the larger population of the Arsenal fan base don't see it like that. And, you know, we've seen over the years, the Arsenal fan base can turn very quickly. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, when you look at the way Unai Emery was sacked, right? I think he was sacked because it got to a point where the fans stopped believing and the club kind of bought into that. Because results-wise, yes, he started the second season poorly. But in terms of where we were as a team in his full season, we were one point off of the top four and we lost in the Europa League final. So it was more than results that made them sack Unai Emery, right? Yeah. It was it yeah. was a, a, a wider picture. It was a wider view that led them to that, that thing with Unai Emery. It wasn't just results. It was probably not sure where this is really going. Didn't really want this guy as our first choice in the first place. Got him in on a short-term contract anyway. We can cut our losses now and move him on. But with Mikel Arteta, it's different because the club have clearly invested in this guy. And I think they are willing to give him the time. And so we probably have to as well as fans. But as Dan said, as fans, do you want to sit there and give someone time? Like, you know, there is no... We don't owe Mikel Arteta anything to have to sit here and allow him to take two or three or four seasons to get to where he needs to go. I still back him. And and as Tazel says in the chat, he's staying regardless. I can't see a man. Yeah, manager he, that's the thing. Him. He can he, he is, lose exactly. 10-0 tomorrow. <clears throat> so, so why then, if, if that is the case, which I believe it is, then we just have to get behind him, don't we? I think Arsenal... Arsenal board aren't the type of board, in my view, that want to sack managers. They don't want to sack managers. They didn't want to sack Wenger, quite clearly. Wenger stayed far longer than he should have, based on a number of factors. Emery, I believe, was sacked because of fan pressure. And Emery didn't have a chance. Because the problem with with Emery, when you're following a club legend, whether it's Mourinho following Pochettino, completely different style, completely different characters, that baggage of that. Whether it's Moyes following Ferguson or various other examples you can pick on in football history, from the outset, 50% of the fans don't want Emery there to begin with. So the first sign of trouble, those fans speak up and then you've only got to convert another 10% of fans and you've got a, a majority. Yeah, then so you throw in a few... Newcastle, isn't it? Like, when he yeah, started. it doesn't take much because from a starting point with Arteta, that starting point is now completely reset. There were seventy percent of the fans who wanted Emery out, so that means there's seventy percent of the fans who are happy that you got a new manager. It takes a lot longer to swing that tide. So for for Arsenal as a board, they they don't want to sack Arteta. They don't want to sack managers. They want stability. They've probably acknowledged that the Emery appointment didn't really fit their model. Um, they've brought in a manager who they believe does, a manager with no credentials or qualifications whatsoever to have a job that big, but they've they've deliberately brought someone in who fits their mould. They are going to stick with Arteta for as long as the fans let them. That's the point. So 
how much does it mean to the fans to be in the Champions League? Um, probably quite a lot. So it comes down to what you're going to tolerate. And if you get knocked out by Benfica tomorrow, or heaven forbid you got knocked out by Tottenham, um, you know, imagine that. Then, then the, the the noise is going to be too much. But aside from that, I think Arteta will will get another season at the club. Yeah, I, I think he will as well. And and you know, we, we'll move on from this. But if Arsenal were to get knocked out in the semi-finals against a Manchester United or a team that people fancy to go on and win the competition. You can, you can, you don't like it. You don't accept it, but you can live with it. Right. But you can't live with going out in the round of 32 to a side that you It's also beat. what I said last week about where can you pinpoint his mistakes? So I said the Wolves game, it's completely out of his hands. And where can you just actually pinpoint his lack of experience? So tomorrow, if he, if he plays party as an example, right, he's made that mistake before, hasn't he? couple of months ago yeah rushing him back so if he does that again then it shows that he's maybe not learning where he needs to but we'll see the, the problem is with it, it, it adds up doesn't it so like yeah, yeah if you I mean, if, like, if you yeah. play well if you play well and go out you might get away with that but if you're halfway through a season where you've lost so many games already because you've played poorly or picked the wrong team or some naive tactics like they were earlier in the season with Arteta it's just the fact that you've played well just gets forgotten and it just adds onto the pile and adds onto the pile. And, you know, I think he's lucky. The pressure's off him, I think, in terms of what he has to achieve. I think he's got a board. I think he feels comfortable. You can tell by the way he's speaking, even when he was under pressure, he didn't he didn't make any noise like he was worried or anything like that. So I think um, yeah. Yeah. he'll know what to say to get himself another year, I think. he He knows how to talk and present himself. So I think... Arteta backers, I don't think they're going to have to worry too much, um, to be honest. Yeah, and I agree with Craig here from Same Old Arsenal. Make sure, if you haven't already, you head over to the Same Old Arsenal. Give them a subscribe. Make sure you like the podcast as well. Um, And you can also become a member now of the Same Old Arsenal. So head over there and check it out. Craig and Lee did a brilliant show earlier on today. Uh, I've watched some of it, but I need to catch up on the rest. So make sure uh, you head over and check that out. He says... But hang on, if the medical team clear Partey to play, then he can only take their advice. He's, I mate, think you he's don't, absolutely right there. No, nah, mate, you don't recover I'm not, from I'm that not, sort of injury not. that quickly. You don't recover from that injury No, that I agree. And, Listen, not, not in, I agree. and not in the way, you've got to remember, it's not like uh, an Ozil, or a, I don't want to pick on him, but if the way Thomas Partey plays, all that will happen is he will get injured again because of the way... He plays is conducive to getting injured again. No, forget. I agree well, with what you're saying. That's ridiculous. I agree with what you're saying. I don't think that you can recover from a hamstring problem as quickly as Thomas Partey <sighs> no. has this time. And I, I would not play him tomorrow for the record. But what I will say is your medical team do have a responsibility as well. You know, if, if your medical team are clearing somebody, they're the experts, remember? <coughs> They're yeah. the medical Harry, people. Darren That's what they're at the club to, to get cleared every week. Yeah, but you've, you, you, you've been to a doctor's. There's nothing binary with these people. Exactly. You know, they're all doom and gloom merchants anyway. They will say to Mikel Arteta, hey, look, he's got a 90% chance of getting through 65 minutes. Exactly. How, import, how important is that 65 minutes to you? Then that's the manager's decision as to whether he wants to take that risk. A medical team isn't going to say... <laughs> they don't, oh, no. don't come with a green and a red you, you, card, you, you know... Um, you yeah. know a quite high profile. You know a high profile physio. Um, I do, yeah. And I know a different, reasonably high profile 
physio, but not as high. I won't name either of the names because it's not fair to do so. <laughs> yeah, don't. <laughs> but they're not going in there. You get the doom and gloom merchants that say he absolutely can't play. It's unsafe. It's ridiculous. You know, he's half concussed. You can't do that. But when it comes to muscular injuries, it's, it, it will be about risk levels. And it will say, well, you might be able to get him through this game, but he can't play three. Then that's the manager's choice. Hmm. But we 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 because it, because to those, flip it, we're flip not privy to head, those yeah. conversations, right? So you flip if, it on its head. Like I don't want to talk about Tottenham too much, but Harry Kane in the Champions League final is is the prime example. It's the Champions League final now. Do you want to play him? Yes, please. Um, it's Burnley at home. Do you want to play him? Or maybe we'll rest him. It's down to the manager to decide how big an occasion it is to take that risk. Agreed, but when the occasion is a big one, and the manager is going one way. It is if that's not the right decision. It's the medical professional's responsibility to at least relay the information that there is a risk here. Now we don't know about that whether that information's been relayed. We don't know about what goes on in those conversations. What we do know is when he rushed him back the last time, he had passed three fitness tests in the lead up to that game. So as far as Mikel Arteta is concerned, the guys passed three fitness tests. So I've got some. I understand where you're coming from. And me personally, I wouldn't pick him tomorrow because A, and I might be... It's the style of Benfica as well. He's not... I, I, I don't think we'll need him. I, I, no, genuinely, I think Arsenal have enough without... Is not, yeah. I, I think Arsenal have enough without Thomas Partey to get past Benfica. So for me, I wouldn't take the risk. But the, I, I do agree with Craig when he says that there is... An element of it is down to the medical team. Otherwise, what the fuck do you hire them for? What are they being paid to do if they're not there to advise you on risk, on conditioning? That they're ex they are experts. That's what they're there for. So I think you're giving them a free ride. They're physios who are being paid a fucking lot of money by the football club to advise the manager and to take care of those players. And ultimately, you can't just shift all the blame off of them and say... It's always the manager's fault because there must have been some dialogue there at some point. But anyway, let's um, let's move on from that. Let's talk a little bit uh, about this week's Champions League football. Um, obviously, Chelsea getting a really, really good result uh, in, uh, I was going to say in Madrid, but of course the game took place in Bucharest. Atletico uh, really struggling with injuries at the moment. But Dan De Luca, what a fucking goal that was from Olivier Giroud. He does pull out the odd cracker, to be fair to him. Um, he does pull out the odd cracker. He's, um, he feels like he's getting better. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because he's playing less and, and, or what it is, but it feels like he's getting better and better since, since he left Arsenal. I think his last two seasons were probably his most productive. And then for some reason, he wasn't kept on. And then, um, I remember the goal he scored in the FA Cup final for, for Chelsea. He was absolutely outstanding. He does pull out the odd um, superb goal. And he's um he seems to just I don't know, he, he seems to never age. He's um he's a really he's a really good player, a really useful player. And um it's pleasing to see actually Thomas Thomas Tuchel come over and um actually find a space for him in the in, in the team because he didn't strike me as a sort of manager who would um who would take to take to Giroud. Um, especially with the attacking talents at his disposal. But he seems to have found found a good balance there. Um, he's got Chelsea ticking quite quickly and it was a fantastic, fantastic goal. It must make it, it must make, it must, when a player leaves the club and then carries on doing good things elsewhere, it, it's obviously a, a kick in the bollocks and it, it's happened to all of us. But every time he scores a goal like that, you must sort of wince. 
I'll say it now. I'd rather Alex. I'd rather him up top than Lacazette. I mean it. I'll get stick for that, but I genuinely do mean it. I think he brings more to the overall game um, than Lacazette does. It. I don't feel like the Lacazette signing has proven to be good value given what we paid for him. Brings Alavi, the female fans over like me, doesn't it? Well, there you go. But Alavi, <laughs> Atletico. I've touched on the fact that they were really hit with injury, but I was really disappointed by them, man. I, yeah, I expected a lot more. I was, I did, I was WhatsApping the group before the game, um, just saying that they've got a really, really bad run of injuries. And the thing with Atletico is they're doing really well in La Liga. They've stumbled a bit recently because they've, they've built up a lead, so it still looks as though they're doing really well. But actually, it's because Real Madrid have been and Barcelona have also been quite poor. Um, they've switched from three at the back to, to four at the back. I actually think four at the back suits them more, but it just didn't work yesterday. Um, I don't think they've got that strength in, in depth. Atletico, I think they're one of those sides where, unlike Barca and Madrid still, when they lose those that first 11, they're not quite the force they were. But actually, I think it's probably disingenuous not giving um, Tuchel the credit that he deserves. For me, I've, I've, I've said this. First, um, first game he came in, he, he selected that lineup, and I thought, that's brilliant man management. You know, he's... He's he's just selected a few players that Lampard deliberately deliberately throws out, you know. Um, and for me, he's someone who can um, play an adaptive formation, looking at the task in hand. But he'll still stick to his his fundamentals. And I've never honestly been impressed with a manager for this quickly in the Premier League. I know you really like Bielsa, but. I can't remember the manager that's impressed me this much. I think he's meticulous. I think, you know, if you if you think about what people used to think under Frank Lampard, it was, you know, they um, they're very erratic. That's already been forgotten. So for him to do that, for him to come in and already have that um, stringent sort of um, setup at the back where he, he plays that sort of he plays like a three four two one and that that. Those two inside fours, I feel, create like a box shape almost that allow one of the two wing backs, normally um, Canham Hudson or Hoy, who's a bit more um, forward thinking, to actually go down and create that space down the wing. And I think that when you look at what he's done, it's very easy to, to pinpoint that they've done so badly under Lampard that all he's done is just win games that they should have won. But actually, again, a bit like Arteta when you scratch. You know, scratch beneath the surface he's done really 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 well and I think he's going to go on to be one of the most young talented managers that the Premier League's um, seen it like and you look at the other sides in the Champions League and, and I don't think Chelsea will win it I think it's going to be between City and Bayern but you look at the other sides in the Champions League and if he can get a result in the second leg there's no reason why they can't carry on um, and go a bit further in the competition cool um, De Luca, let's let's move on and touch on on Manchester City. Good result for them, yeah. uh, away from home against, well, technically away from home against Borussia Mönchengladbach. We were discussing in our WhatsApp group earlier on what game we should watch tonight, and um, I, I want to pick you up on a comment that where you said City bore me to death. The floor is yours, mate. Have a rant. I want to know why City bore you to death because I find them entertaining I, I enjoy their football I really do and I, I'm interested to know why you find them boring I guess it's not it's not their fault they're boring they're, you know they're winning football matches but 
I don't I don't need to see Ugh. when I play football with my son who's six in in the garden we stand five yards apart and pass the ball to each other I've seen it all day I don't need to see 864 passes where you know and it's not their fault where the other team are too scared to even go and press them in the center circle because three or four passes they're in trouble again and I find so many of their games are like you've only got to look at the Arsenal game the other day they've scored after two minutes and there's 88 minutes of well we know what the result is now and Man City still created a few more chances in the first 20 minutes but then it was a bit like watching a cat toying with a mouse and you think why do I want to watch that when I can watch a game on the other side where you've got Atlanta and Real Madrid who are going to knock seven bells out of each other. Now I will apologise a little bit because I watched most of the Atlanta Real Madrid game and that was shit. Um, so that was a bad choice. But as an example, as I was flicking back through the I channel, thought it was all right. It was all right. Um, but there was one instance, yeah, it was about 70 minutes into the game and the ball was played forward by a Manchester City player. They're already 2 0 up now. And from halfway in the attacking half, a player launched an 80-yard ball back to Edison. I'm like, well, I, I, why do I want to see that ball? That some of that is because City have gone out to team, and no disrespect to Spurs, but they've gone out, well, actually it is. It's one of those things we say, I'm not going to say something racist. I mean, you do. So no disrespect to Spurs, but they've gone out to sides that they probably shouldn't have in the last three years, right? So off the top of my head, Spurs, Leon, one more, maybe Monaco. L- Liverpool, right? Monaco. Those four teams. I think it was Monaco, yeah. Yeah, it was Monaco, um, Liverpool. So they have to just be, they've got that free-flowing football still. And, yeah. you know, I don't rate McRitchers as a pilot, but he, he did make a point. He said, actually, they played nice football last season, which is they, true they to played, the point. They really they did. Played, they did. They and, did. And, and what he's saying is that they've tightened up defensively. And he says, let, let Bayern Munich be the team <coughs> that can go and have, I don't know, Costa, Talisa, right. who else was out yesterday? Um because he's ex-Arsenal player. A couple Can more. For, uh, yeah. But, have all these players out. Have the 17-year-old player coming through. Have the irrepressible Lewandowski. Have, you, you, have the attention on Bayern Munich, right? And let Man City actually just be that solid defensive team. That, so I'm that not sure. Have that fear factor still. But this is my point. And this, you know me, I make outlandish predictions and they, they don't blow up on my face very often because I'm normally right. But they have the potential to, right? Manchester City, I don't believe, can win this Champions League. I'm not convinced how solid they are defensively. I don't think they have to defend. And the reason why you see these strange results that they have um, in the later stages of this competition is because when it gets to the point that they meet a team who have progressed to that same sort of level, they get beat because they haven't had to defend at any point. Their defence isn't really tested. It's, it's, they're defending, they're, all the defending is done in midfield. Like very rarely. So, there was a stat in the game today, and I said I didn't watch it, and only watched about 10 minutes, and I've absorbed a lot of information. But basically, in the last two Champions League games, Edison hasn't even made a save. He hasn't had to. So <clears throat> when they play Bayern Munich, they will get battered. I will go as far as to say PSG will beat them. If right, they play right. Them. but this is my point. <clears throat> okay, all right, you've added PSG. My point is, and it's a bit like the Premier League, and it's not about who is the least bad. Bayern Munich... Who that city? You really think they have trouble with anyone else? You think based on based on tonight? Or if you think that um, I don't know, 
Rodrigo uh, um, um, and Jesus have uh, replacements for Ronaldo in this Madrid team. And you look at um, they've done a backup for Casemiro and Modric. You know, uh, Isco Asensio have been two of my favourite players and they haven't looked great this year. I don't, I don't think they'd have any trouble with Madrid. I don't think they'd have any trouble no, with no, Barcelona. I think, I think they'll beat PSG. So you, you can only, I think there are less, there's less team. Com- this is what I mean. So there's less competition. competition. There's less strong competition out there than there was. Ever, but, ever, I'd say, for the last 10 yeah, because, years. And that's because, that's because La Liga is at its weakest. So why respect. can't City go and win the Champions League more than any other time this season? The, the, the if, thing is, though, there's, there's an argument that says that City have actually learnt how to maybe, you know, people say that uh, that Pep Guardiola couldn't reinvent a side, and actually, what they do now is they they get to two nil, and they do take their foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah, and they their don't way, try and win five nil. Yeah. yeah, their way of taking their foot off the gas is to keep the ball, and and like you pointed out, DDO, that might involve an eighty yard pass back to the goalkeeper. Yeah. And I know I get what you you mean, but yeah. for me, you know, other teams take the sting out of matches by slowing the pace right down by yeah, wasting yeah. time at every opportunity. Manchester City, I think, take this thing out of games by keeping the football. And I think that's admirable. I really but like it's not, that. The thing is, it's not, it's not criticism of them. It's just me saying, I don't want to watch it because it's boring. And that's a different thing. So people people call the Italian national team boring. And I used to take offence at it. In the end, I took it as a compliment. You know, people say that a lot of it's all about perception and, and a perceived yeah. style. Work. People call the, the Italian team who won the World Cup in 2006, boring. Um, in actual fact, they scored more goals than Spain scored in 2010. Like, no one realises that, and I had to tell people that, and they look at me like I'm weird. I don't the know fact how is, you got that in from Man City's Champions League. Because I'm talking about... I'm talking about... In, I know, talking but you about, are going to get in whatever we were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it's, I'm trying to make a correlation where people don't like... A lot of people didn't like watching Serie A in, in the mid-2000s. You know, because it was boring to them. And it's like, well, actually, it's not boring. I'm not criticising what they're doing. I just would rather watch a different game. Than... Okay, but there is a skill in whoever it was. You're put... And I'm assuming you're not referring to the Cancelo one at the weekend, because that was a mistake. I'm sure Harry remembers it. That was a complete yeah. mistake to Edison. But there is still a skill, Dan, in a defender or a holding midfield, being able to pick that up 60 yards, being able to ping it to Edison with risk-free, knowing that Edison will take one touch and be able to ping it back to another. Like, there is still yeah. a skill involved in that and trust the touch that is amazing. Yeah. Just like the Italian, it might not be as obvious, but yeah, but the something question is, in that. The question is why? What, 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 why? What was because the they've learned like, from their past mistakes because every time they've gone out of the Champions League before, it's because they've done something, something stupid. Yeah, they've, let in, they've let in a horrendous amount of goals. Yeah. And, but yeah, yeah a, I guess... I guess it's just, it's just, it just, I find them boring at this stage. You know, it's no different to, it's no different to people. Madrid, find... Real Madrid are boring at this stage. They play yeah, it's, football. That's what I'm saying, though, but it's no different to people say they don't want to watch international friendlies. I know the result. I know Man City are going to win. I know the other team aren't going to compete. And I know that 85 minutes of the game is going to be just, just boring, uninspiring yeah. rubbish. Let's um let let's move on. Let's uh let's quickly touch on um I want to quickly t- talk about Marcelo Bielsa and I I'll I'll just give a little bit on this because this is yeah. something that I I want to talk about and then we'll move on to something else cuz just conscious of time as well. Uh, still got a fair bit to to get through. 
I just want to give a shout out to Leeds and to Marcelo Bielsa because I hear a lot of people saying he's overrated. You know, his his football is is overrated. All they do, you know, they score goals, but they create a shitload of chances. This guy took over Leeds United three years ago, mid-table in the championship. And in my opinion, with their win yesterday, they pretty much... Uh, guaranteed their safety in the Premier League mathematically. I mean, you know, they, they were never going to go down, but you know that was a big step again, getting closer to that to that sort of golden sort of uh, mark in the table. And I just think that somebody like Marcelo Bielsa has been a breath of fresh air, man. He's come in. I think he started. I think nine of the players that started last night were with him in the Championship, and. This guy has come into the Premier League and achieved what he is going to achieve without ever veering away from his principles, without going down the whole Sam Allardyce route, without going down the whole Steve Bruce route of playing negative, boring shit football. He's another one who's proven that those kind of managers are obsolete for me. And I think we should be praising managers who come into the division with bollocks and play football like that because ultimately I would rather watch Leeds United at the weekend than most teams in this division. They're above Arsenal, as some as some of you have pointed out in the chat, and I just think they, they deserve a lot, a lot of praise for that. And, um, yeah, you know, I, traditionally over the years, I haven't liked Leeds United for obvious reasons. I don't think many people in the world like Leeds United, but I think that now they're becoming a club that people look at and, and particularly under Marcelo Bielsa, an admirer, and I think he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for that. Um, I'll say one, one sentence. On. It's the same one I said on the pre-season part, just one sentence about him. He is, or they are, the most dependent on a manager of, in, of any team in the league. I, the influence the manager has on the team is bigger in terms of a percentage or however you want to measure it compared to any other team. I, if he left where their league position would alter. That's just my view on him. By a mile as well. Anything you want to just quickly add before I move on? Yeah, it's one one question really, and it links into the last topic um, where I felt the sharp circling a little bit. Would you rather watch Leeds or Man City? Leeds. For entertainment. That's why why I don't like watching Man City. That's because of a standard city of... We're admiring, admiring, rightly so, we're admiring the style Leeds play. The reason I roll my eyes about Leeds is is more because I think over the years, there are so many teams at the bottom who don't even try to win that when you see a team coming like Leeds have, like you say, it's a breath of fresh air. Um, And it's very admirable. Leeds weren't coming in as like relegation favourites, though. People forget like... They weren't, let's be honest. Yeah, no but that's a credit to, to Marcelo Bielsa. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is, it is. But let's not pretend that they were going to finish 20th and he's got them like 9th. No, no, yeah. no, nobody but, said but that. The, you know. But the, the fact is, is there's, so, there's been so long where two of the three teams who come up Correct. Just, yeah. just play absolute dross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you, you like the fact that they're coming up having a go and they're getting enough points to justify it as well. Yeah, Whereas in the past... have gone up and played and tried to have a go. Had that Bournemouth like... Yeah, yeah Norwich. Norwich last year. Norwich. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, that brings us to the end of our Marcelo Bielsa Love Fest. Let's uh, quickly touch on uh, one point from the relegation battle and then we'll go on to the prediction section. Um, Alavi, you asked me the question last week whether I thought Fulham could survive. And I'll tell you what, after the last couple of weeks of results, <laughs> uh, first of all, 
you know, Fulham have done brilliantly to stay and sort of hanging in there and, and in the fight. But could Newcastle United sleepwalk into relegation this season? I think it... So, the reason I, asked, I said this, I just it's, it wasn't based on any logic at all, by the way, but a couple of weeks ago, I said, I've got a feeling Fulham will stay up. And it was purely based on the fact that their fixtures looked like they were winnable. And they were... You know how you go back to the Arteta thing and you, you look at, okay, they haven't won or they've lost, but there's something in there that makes me think they could win the next game. And that's what I got with Fulham. That's why I thought they'd win at the weekend. That's why I think they'll win this weekend. The only issue is they've now got March, where they, I think they've got Spurs, so that's another relegation fight, um, Liverpool and City. Um, so they've actually got the hardest number of, uh, the hardest games really between um, the other relegation candidates. So even though there's just something that makes me think they'll stay up, however... I actually think, contrary to what you've said about Newcastle, it might be Brighton that get dragged in there. For some reason, I think they could fall victim to how they, how going back to Dan's example of Norwich, how they end up playing. Um, so when we first looked at it, it was seven points, and you guys maybe thought it was too much, but I thought the odds were just seven points is in this league is very quick to um, uh, quick to make up. It is indeed. Um, Alavi, I'm going to stick with you, mate, and um, give us the oh, results the result from last week's down predictions. Um, have I got them? No. Give us, yeah. Book. I've got it. Do you want, do you want me to bring no, no, it up I've on got the it, I've got it. No, 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 I've got it. Uh, so, the, um, so, the results from last week. So, in terms of the actual game week, um, Dan DeLuca won it, got 10 points. He was the fair play. He didn't fancy Chelsea, only one. And not only that, he actually got a perfect score. Um, fans got nine points. They did well with two perfect scores. I was third with seven points. Um, again, I benefited from, for some reason, picking Wolves to win it and getting the perfect score. That's twice in a row. Um, and Harry, I don't know what you're playing at as host, but five points there with just the less the perfect score. Too many biased predictions, I think. I do do my predictions on the show, right? So I don't sit there and study uh, everything like you do. need to be thinking before. So I think in terms of the league table, um, we've got the fans winning, annoyingly, on 21 points. DDO overtaking me, going to 17. Myself on 15. And Harry on 11. So the fans are winning out at the moment. So fair play to the gentleman who, or both both guys who picked it week then the week before. We need a volunteer in the live chat. We need one of you to, to put your hand up and, and say that you're going to take on the predictions for the fans on this week's edition of the Social Club. So let me know in the chat if you want to do it. I'm going to bring up on the screen uh, Alavi and DDL's predictions for this week so far. I still haven't done mine, so I promise I'll give them to you. I promise I'll give them to you on the um, on the uh, on the show. There's a cutoff point uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I'll drop them tomorrow. I'll drop them to you tomorrow. So. I'm going to just quickly have a look through what you guys have got. You've both gone for Man City to beat West Ham United. Um, DDL, you've gone for West Brom to get a win over Brighton. What's what's yeah. the thinking behind that? Yeah, that's not a bad chance. Tight game, that one. Yeah, I think West Brom played well last week. They were unlucky. Um, and Brighton always seemed to play well and not win. And it just feels like, you know, West Brom are due a result. There's been a couple of better performances against Manchester United. Um I know they got a point in that game in the end um, and last week at Burnley. And I just think they're playing well enough to, to steal three points in that one. 
cool. Um, you've highlighted Newcastle one Wolves nil, so I'm assuming that's your gem. Um, it's definitely going to be a low-scoring one, I'd say that one. Um, why have you gone for that one as as your gem? Again, Wolves are struggling to score goals. They're, they're really low scorers. Lots of games they've drawn blanks. Um, I thought they were quite poor the other night as well in the game they won. Um, Newcastle, um, St. Maximin playing well. Joe Linton, I know he went off um, He went off injured. Hopefully he's fit, otherwise I may be in trouble there. But uh, again, it's another one where I think Newcastle are just going to, they're just going to nick that one. Cool. Low score, low scoring bore fests. Yeah. Everything else looks, looks pretty interesting. DDL has gone for Arsenal to draw two, two at Leicester. Alavi's gone uh, for a Leicester win. Not that I'm surprised. <laughs> uh, both of you gone with Spurs to beat Burnley. A draw. Alavi's played it safe with Chelsea, man. United one, one draw. DDL is right, one, it. one, isn't it? I mean, if you can, if in doubt, just one one. In just one one. Yeah. Uh, you both got Liverpool to win. Uh, Everton, Southampton. Alavi's got that as a draw, and De Luca's got that as um, as a one nil to Everton. Right. We're going to go with. I think Liam responded first in the chat. So Liam, you can do the predictions for the fans this week. Um, so what you need to do, Liam, is you need to chuck them into the live chat now, uh, one by one. And you need to put what game it is you're referring to, right? So you need to put Man City 1, West Ham 3 or whatever. Because that way Alavi can pick them out of the chat and note them down so he can add it to the table. I'll be giving you guys my predictions on one of tomorrow's shows, I promise. Because I've just been so flipping busy. I haven't had a chance to do them. Um, and, you know, I've just realised just realized I picked seven teams not to score there. That's that stupid guy. Seven big, seven big zeros. There's no, there's no going back, DDL. Once nah. it's on the, uh, once it's on the sheet, it's official, mate. Uh, so I'm going to get uh, mine into you guys tomorrow. So stay tuned for that as well in the live chat. So um, Liam, fire away with those. Uh, what else <clears throat> did we need to discuss? Quick reminder: podcast is sponsored by Manscaped.com. So as I said earlier on, if your forbidden forest is in need of a trim, uh, if you need to get it looking as sharp and as as uh, luscious as the Emirates Stadium pitch, hopefully not as green though, then head over to manscaped.com, uh, enter our discount code, which is 90min20, and you get 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. Now, when you get the lawnmower, right, which is the best sort of trimmer that you can get from Manscaped, I've got the lawnmower 2.0. Once you get the lawnmower, you even get, once you sign up, you even get a replacement blade come through after a few months in the post. It's unbelievable. It's brilliant stuff. You get ball wipes, you get ball deodorant, you get the lot. Uh, so make sure you head over to Manscaped and uh, check it out. Also, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, in supporting us to bring you more content um, and getting access to our Discord server as well as a number of other benefits, then click on the link in the description and uh, you can see the three tiers available. You can choose which, if any of those, appeal to you. Uh, we're hitting, a, we're coming close to a very big milestone on our membership, so I'm really looking forward uh, to that happens. And we'll do a special giveaway when it does. Um, what else was I going to say? Uh, that's pretty much it, I think. Liam, are those predictions coming, mate? Please tell me you advertise Manscaped when you had that lovely lady on your show a few hours ago. I did. I did. Oh, and. Um, I said it right. I went through the whole, the whole pitch thing, and then I was like, 
I, I think I actually said it on the show. I went so embarrassed. I've just had to do that in front of you. <laughs> Was that her name, Jess? I thought she was actually quite good, you know. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. And I, was, I thought she was like quite, um, what's the word? Like quite articulate. Like she's brilliant. She, and yeah, really and I would advise anyone that's into Arsenal, wants to follow some Arsenal content uh, to get over there. And um, Was it from abroad? Though? And was it not? I couldn't. Yeah, she's from... based in the States. She's based in the uh, States. Okay. She's based in the States. California, I think. Lovely place. Okay. I, thought, um, I thought she made some really good points. She did. She did. She wouldn't be on the Chronicles of Aguna if she didn't. She's pretty nah. fantastic. Well, um, me and Dan are. So. You let us on. Liam, I'm still not getting these predictions, but Jashar's coming up with some predictions. Do we want to go with Jashar's? Let us know in the uh, chat because he did win for you guys last week. Well, he's got you still in the lead. So um, we're going to go with Jashar's because we're not going to sit here all night and Liam's are not coming through. Does uh, no one so fancy my Everton Southampton draw? I think that's quite a generous gem, to be fair. Ooh, generous gem. Hold on, look, hold on. Mate, look at the odds. Look at the odds. Hold on, hold on. Do we go with Jashar's or do we go with Edward, who's just put all the games in at once in one oh, comment? Got, well, then. Edward, for efficiency, Can't, go with Edward. Yeah. Sorry, right, guys, on. but got to go with Edward. Big day tomorrow, busy day tomorrow. We've Anyone got... who goes by their full name as well and just doesn't call themselself Ed, I, I like that. How do you know his, right. full name? his full name might be Eduardo? And he's just... He's taking yeah, the O off. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know, do you? Oh, brilliant stuff. Cool. That's uh, Those are the, uh, All right, those are the predictions. Edward, thank you so much, mate, for your predictions. Thank you to everyone in the live chat uh, as well. Don't forget, plenty of get, content coming your way tomorrow. Get uh, Eddie's gem. Get Eddie's gem. Oh, yeah, oh, Edward. That's a great point. What's your gem, mate? What's your gem prediction? You can get double points for that. It can't it be, something, be something... Yeah, it's got to be, be something obvious. a bit outside the box. It can't be... You know, Manchester Man- City to beat West Ham, for example, because Manchester City beat everyone. Um, he has gone Newcastle to draw with Wolves. I suppose that's not. He says, can confirm my full name is Edward. <laughs> no. Right, we're just waiting on the gem and then we can uh, we can leave it there. We can sign out for the evening. Gem Spurs Burnley, he's gone with. What did he put? Oh, that, yeah, sorry. Shit, he's put... Oh, Burnley 1-0 love that yeah, fair enough mate, <laughs> good lad good, mate, good mate, lad double gem for that that's brilliant Pro- proper no predictions proper predictions that's what we like <laughs> the kind yeah, of no. predictions we like to have right here on the Chronicles of Aguna Chris Wood header or something that's what you want to see that's what you want to see was you going to say well, something he, he's gone, oh, no he's gone Sheffield United they've gone Sheffield United and Liverpool to draw interesting right. gone Everton to win so everyone's gone Everton win bar me well, the, the gem is Spurs Burnley. Right, we're going to leave it yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be back very, very soon with more. Plenty to come your way tomorrow as we continue our build-up and coverage of the big, big game in Athens. Arsenal having to travel 800 miles further for their home tie than they did for the away one. How the fuck do you work that one out? Who knows? Anyway, we'll see you guys soon. Until next time, take care. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.